0: Everybody, I'm glad you're here. Oh, you guys, some of you guys down here, CJ, Danielle, sorry, I didn't get to greet you guys. Feel the hug. Be the hug. Next week, I'll start on this side. But man, I'm so grateful. Those joining us online, we love you guys. And I got to start, um, uh, one, by thanking you, thanking you for your generosity. You are marking children in this church, in this community, at our Janesville campus, in Janesville's inner city, and orphans in a dark place like Haiti. Uh, There are are homeless children in this area. And uh, because of your generosity, we exceeded our goal for our Christmas love offering for kids. We went over $150,000. So... I can't give you the breakdown on every single thing, but I want you to know that $5,000 is being invested right here in our community for homeless children. We serve foster care kids, both at our Janesville campus and at our Beloit campus. They serve their inner city. Um, Every week they have like 80 uh, kids at Wilson School feeding them pizza, telling them about uh, Jesus, and pizza for 80 kids every week through the school year, that costs a chunk of change. But, because of their generosity, we're prepared to keep reaching kids there. Our inner city through our New Life ministry, the kids here Probably a couple hundred kids um, birth through high school are here every weekend or at Wednesday night for our CUI middle school and high school kids. And your giving is making a difference for kids in our church and in our community. We want to reach every child, every student in the state line with the good news of Jesus Christ. But our church also has an orphanage for boys in Haiti, and you think inflation is bad here, it is criminal in Haiti. Um, My son built this orphanage, and we've been a part of it for uh, years, but we wanna make sure those little boys are well fed, so a ton of the money goes for rice and beans. We clothe them, we make sure they're in school, make sure they come into a saved relationship with Jesus Christ in a very dark and desperate place, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Please grab, if you didn't grab a study guide on your way in, grab one on your way out. It will help you go deeper into the text that we use on the weekend, uh, five days this week. You will be given a prayer that you can pray every day this week. You're praying the word of God and God always answers prayers that are prayed according to his word. So those are our gifts uh, to you. I'd like to start with prayer because I believe God brought you here today. If you're watching online, I believe uh, God has you in front of your device because he wants to speak into your life. And so if you'll bow with me, please, we'll start with prayer. Father, um, please remove all distraction. And please, right now, through your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus, speak through your word. Amen. 130 years ago, 1893, the World's Fair was in Chicago, Illinois. So, probably people from our area went in for the fair. People from my home area, Central Illinois, came in for the fair. You know why I guess that? Because over the course of the six months of the World's Fair in Chicago, millions of people, over 20 million, came to Chicago for the World's Fair, not just from the Midwest, but from all over the world. They wanted to see the newest inventions on the planet, like the first, very first Ferris wheel. I'm not sure that I would have ridden the very first, but that was the first in Chicago. Or they wanted to taste the very newest of food creations, like shredded wheat, cream of wheat, Quaker oats, and Jemima pancake mix for the very first time. Thank you, Jesus. Cracker Jacks for the very first time, ladies, particularly for you, Hershey's chocolate bars, the very first brownies on the planet were at the World's Fair, juicy fruit gum and bottles of Pat's Blue Ribbon beer for the first time. Uh, but the big controversy, the controversial event of the World's Fair in Chicago, 130 years ago, 130 years ago, was something called the Parliament of World Religions. The idea was that there would be a a representative from each corner of the planet coming together, representing each world religion. They would study the best aspects of each religion and then invent, create a new world religion. So the Christians in Chicago, man, they were up in arms, they were beside themselves, they were like, man, you can't just make stuff up about God, call it a religion, somebody's gotta stop this. Now, the predominant or preeminent pastor in Chicago at that time was Dwight L. Moody. Still a huge, huge, huge Moody Church in Chicago. Still, his college still exists, Moody Bible Institute. Back then, he had a dream. He knew that millions of people were coming from all over the planet, and he wanted to take every opportunity at every place available to proclaim to every person possible the good news of Jesus Christ, crucified for our sins and risen from the dead. I mean, he used his church multiple, multiple times. He rented out theaters across the city. He even rented this huge um, circus tent to have every opportunity to proclaim Jesus and the good news of our Savior, crucified for our sins and risen from the dead. Now, the uh, church leaders in Chicago cornered Dwight L. Moody, got up in his face and said, every time you speak, every place you speak, you gotta condemn this parliament of world religions. I mean, condemn it, condemn it, condemn it. I think actually people haven't changed much in the last 130 years. I mean, like fall of 2020 when our world was going crazy over race and politics and culture. I mean, people were emailing me. People were coming to my office. People were telephoning me saying, hey, you got to condemn this group of people. You got to condemn that group of people. You got to condemn this political party. You got to condemn that uh, candidate. You got to condemn this behavior. You got to condemn that behavior. And every time then, if it happens now, I have the same question. Do you know John 3.16? Well, yeah, for God so loved the world he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Dude, take a chill pill. (laughs) Then I ask, well, do you know John 3.17? Do you know what Jesus said in his next breath after saying for God, so love the world. Here's what Jesus said. Hey, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so um, I want to show you when um, Dwight L. Moody is cornered by all these pointing fingers who are pointing at all those they think should be condemned. Here's what he said. He said, you know, this is no secret. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make Jesus Christ so attractive that men will turn to him. And it worked. Thousands, thousands of people in the tent, in the theaters, in the church, they surrendered their lives to Jesus. So when they went back to Southern Wisconsin or Northern Illinois or Central Illinois or Southern Indiana or at points around the planet, when they went home, they went back with the living Christ alive in them and the message of the good news of Jesus. He, was, he died in our place for our sins and God raised him from the dead. It worked. Yeah, so here's the reason I tell you that story. The apostle Paul takes the same approach as he writes this letter to the church in Colossae. And friends, this letter is so breathed out by God that it endures today in the New Testament part of our Bible, Colossians. It is just full of God. Now remember, Paul is incarcerated. He's under arrest with a couple of friends, Timothy and Epaphras. And if, allow me to use my imagination, okay? Uh, In my imagination, as Paul writes, he's got likely a stylus. That's what they used in the first century. He's got parchment and he's writing this letter to the church in Colossae. I think Timothy and Epaphras are leaning over his shoulder trying to see every word that he writes. But when he gets to this point, when he is going to make Jesus so attractive, so beautiful, so compelling, so powerful, he throws the stylus down, says, I can't write, you write, I'll tell you what to write. But this is so exciting, this is so incredible, this is so amazing. I can't sit still, I can't stay still. And pacing back and forth, gesturing with passion. is what he declares. Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed, Jesus, he existed before anything at all was created. This is Paul stepping into the spotlight, grabbing the microphone on the world stage and declaring for all time, Jesus is the eternal God more than just a good man, more than just a miracle worker, more than just a great teacher. Jesus is God, eternal God. Jesus was not created. He had no beginning. He, he will have no end. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Jesus is God. I love the way the message version of the Bible says it. We look at this son, Jesus, and see God the Father who cannot be seen, Paul wants to establish right up front, I'll tell you what's compelling about Jesus. I'll tell you what's attractive about Jesus. I'll tell you what's irresistible about Jesus. Every good thing you can say about God is true of Jesus. He is full of compassion. He loves to show mercy. He is forgiving. He is unconditionally accepting. He is love. And he uses his power to work to your good. So that, Everything that can be said true of God is true of Jesus. That's how Paul starts. Jesus is the eternal, everlasting God. But then he takes it up a major notch. He's telling people who Jesus is. And the second thing he says is, he is Lord of all creations. He wasn't created. He is the creator. Check it out. The word of God says, Paul writes to the church in Colossae. In fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and on earth, the things we can see and things we can't, like angels and demons, the spirit world with kings and kingdoms, rulers and authorities, all were made by Christ. Why? For his own use and for his own glory. You see, Jesus, he was before all else began. And it is his power that right now holds everything together. Everything and everyone, you and me, everything and everyone has a beginning and will have an end. The the, the cosmos, the universe, had a beginning. And right now, Jesus holds it. What does Paul write? Jesus holds the cosmos, the universe, together by the power, by his power. One day, just to be real with you, don't want to scare you, but one day, Jesus is just gonna let it go. God the Father, Jesus doesn't know when that day will be. He says, the son doesn't know, the angels in heaven don't know, only the father knows. But one day the father's gonna say to the son, okay, son, it's time. And Jesus is just gonna let it go. And our universe is just gonna explode into oblivion. Now, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead, if you've been baptized and received his Holy Spirit, if Jesus is the most important thing in your life, In the blink of an eye, you will be transported to a new Eden-like, perfect new earth that God creates with a new heaven. And there you will live with those you love best and do what you love most, all in the presence of Jesus. But one day, he's just going to let it go. Now, my life had a beginning, and right now my life is held by the power of Christ, but one day, Jesus is just going to let it go, and I'm going to die. My dad's life had a beginning nearly 95 years ago. Right now, he is battling an advanced prostate cancer. And one day, though my dad is living and I'll call him after church, one day Jesus is gonna let go. My dad's eyes will close in death and instantaneously open in the presence of the one he loved, the Lord he served. Same is true for you. Right now, you're sitting here alive, taking breath, heart beating in your chest because Jesus is holding you together by his power. But one day, he's just going to let go. My Deb and I, when we travel, we like to uh, visit graveyards. We're a fun couple. (laughs) Particularly when we're out in the mountains in Colorado and we go to the ghost towns and go through the cemeteries and... Um, what is true of cemeteries in the West is true of cemeteries here in town. Um, tombstones have inscriptions. A um, hypochondriac, their inscription says, I told you I was sick. <laughs> no. Um, on your tombstone will be the date, it will bear the date of your birth. There will be a dash. And then there will be the date of your death. My tombstone will bear the date of my birth. December 29th, 1971. <laughs> 1951. December 29th, 1951, there will be a dash. And then when Jesus just lets go, there will be the date of my death. Same is true for you. What matters is not what happened on the day of our birth. What matters is not what we did on the day of our birth which is good news for my son, Josh, because he peed all over me. I wasn't very good yet at the diaper thing, wasn't quick enough before old faith was shot off again, and, and i was just like, ah, somebody stop that kid. But that's okay, because it doesn't matter what you did on the day of your birth. And to be real, doesn't matter what you'll do on the day of your death. What matters is what you do with your dash in between. Your dash in between. That's your life. That's the gift God has given you. That's the opportunities. That's the possibility of love. That's the reality of your life. It's your choices all piled together. It's your decisions all piled together. It's your dash. That means everything. In fact, what you do with your dash. Will determine your eternal destiny. What you do with your dash determines your destiny after death. Let me show you what Paul either continues to dictate or write in this letter to the Colossians. Christ is the head of the church, He is the eternal God, He's the Lord of creation and he is the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning supreme over all those who rise from the dead. That new Eden-like earth where you get to love, do what you love most with those you love best on the presence of Jesus, it will be populated by those who, believing in Jesus, rose from the dead. Jesus rose first, We rise after him and we get to be in heaven with him. He is the beginning, supreme over all those who rise from the dead. Why? So he is first in every single thing. This week on Monday evening, I did a teaching with our church leadership. I did the same teaching the next morning on Tuesday at 10 in staff meeting with our staff. I just wanted to drill down in everyone's soul that 2023 has to be the year when we are all just white hot, that our main thing will be to keep the main thing, the main thing. And here at Central, if you don't know us, the main thing here is Jesus. Only, always, and forever, Jesus. When you make your dash all about Jesus, Right now, they could put my birth date, they could put your birth date on a purchased tombstone. Birth date, dash. They don't have our death date yet. Though some of you look like you're slipping fast. No, they don't have our death date yet. They just got our dash. And if I make my dash, if I make Jesus the main thing of my dash, I mean, he is eternal God. He is Lord of creation. He is the head of those who are gonna raise from the dead. He is the head of us right now. He is at work to our good right now. He is the source of our joy and peace. He's the head that leads us. He's the source of our hope and love. He is our everything. And if he is the Main thing of our dash, God takes three remarkable actions in our behalf. I've told you who Jesus is, the eternal God, the head of the church, the Lord of creation, but this is what he does for you. He reconciles your past. Check out the word of God as Paul writes, you were once far from God. I mean, you are his enemies, David. Central, you were separated from God by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ. Reconciled. Jesus has reconciled your past. Now we kind of hear the word reconciled in relationship to relationships, a couple or friends trying to reconcile their differences. But what? how is your past reconciled? Here's the definition I use. Reconciliation, Jesus reconciling your past. Reconciliation is God reaching back into your past and making right everything you ever did wrong. I know there's a tendency in you and a tendency in me to hold on to the things that we said that were just terrible. To hold on to the behaviors that were hurtful to others, to ourselves to hold on to our sin. But this is what Jesus does. It's what he wants to do for you this morning. He wants to reach back and for you to experience full, free, unconditional forgiveness of all your sin. When Jesus reaches back into your past, his reconciling work, reaching back into your past, making every wrong thing you ever did, making it right, then it's just as if you never sinned. You are justified just as if I never sinned by Jesus reaching back into my past. This is how I like to say it. The Bible says it this way. Jesus was made to be our sin. He, the one who had no sin, made to be our sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. So I say it this way, everything wrong with me, everything wrong with you was put on Jesus on the cross and everything right with Jesus was put on us. That's how God sees us. That's how God sees you. When you believe that Jesus is the Christ who died for your sins and rose from the dead, you are stamped with the righteousness of God. Everything wrong. It's all made right. Secondly, the second action he did, we know who he is, eternal God, Lord of creation, head of the church. Second thing he does is that it restores you, restores me to God's best version of us. Sometimes we see on Facebook, people saying, I'm living my best life. Well, big stinking deal, you know. I want to live God's best life for me. I want to have God's best marriage for me. I want to have God's best finances for me. I want to have God's best emotional and mental well being for me. I want you to live God's best version of you. And this is what He does. When you make Jesus the main thing of your dash, God restores you to His best version of you. Here's the text. Colossians, Paul writes, Christ brings you into His own presence, and man, when you get into the presence of Christ, you are holy. That means He's got a dream for your life. It means that He has a special purpose for your life. Now you can ignore His dream for your life. You can you can reject His dream for your life or, or, or you can say, Lord Jesus, I want to be God's best version of me. I want my marriage to be God's best. I want my money to be God's best version. I want my emotions in my mind, God's best version. I'm coming into your presence. I'm embracing your dream. I want to be holy. blameless man, it's a big deal to me because I blame myself all the time. Blame myself as a dad, blame myself as a husband, blame myself for all my dumbness as a pastor. Okay, I don't have a lot of time, but I'll tell you one thing I did, really dumb. It was a great idea, great idea. I was gonna have people in church bring forward, gonna have them write their sins down on paper, bring the and put the paper in a fire so they could see their sins are all burned up, all consumed. And I said, well, you we got smoke alarms, so. <laughs> and then one of the guys on the staff said, well, those, those uh, fake logs, they don't smoke. I said, let's use two. This is when we worshiped in the gym. We had two fake logs. When they lighted, there was a towering flame. I'm not kidding, 10 feet high. The whole room filled with smoke. People are coughing. I'm preaching behind it like nothing's wrong. When I got done, then I just walked off stage, went over and leaned against the wall and a nurse in our church said, you know, you might not wanna do that again. Oh, really? I just blame myself. But guess what happens? When Jesus died on the cross, he took all my blame. He took all your blame. This is why we can be free of guilt and free of shame. He takes it all in himself. And we are without fault in his sight. Everything bad about David, that was just a stupid mistake. Okay, now you know you got a stupid pastor. That was one of many. I had these t-shirts things one time. We were flying t-shirts out into the crowd. I saw it at a basketball game, shooting them. Got a baby right in the face. That's just stupid. But I've got sin that's worse than stupid. Stupid. But when I stand in the presence of Jesus, I am without fault. Every bad thing about me was put on him and the goodness of Christ has been applied to me. And the same is true of you when you believe that he is the eternal God, the Lord of creation and accept him as your savior. And, 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 and let me close with this. Three remarkable things. Jesus, when you make him the main thing of your dash, he reconciles your past makes everything wrong you did, makes it right. He restores you to God's best version of you. And Number three, he becomes all the strength, all the strength you need. Here's the text. The word of God says, fully believe the truth. What does it mean to fully believe? To fully believe means to fully obey. If you fully believe Jesus, you fully obey what he says about your money. If you fully obey, believe Jesus, you fully obey what he says about your marriage. If you fully obey believe Jesus, you fully obey what he says about your parenting. If you fully believe Jesus, you fully obey what he says about your mind and your emotions. Fully believe the truth, the truth is Jesus. Standing in it steadfast and firm, strong. You get your strength, you get your strength, you get your strength from the Lord, convinced of the good news that Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead and never shift from trusting him to save you. If you're fully believed, you can be fully saved. If you fully believe, you can be fully saved. Do you know how Jesus brings those two together? Mark sixteen sixteen. he that believes and is baptized, fully believe, fully obey in baptism, will be fully saved. He that believes and is baptized, will be saved. Believe, obey, and be saved. Now maybe someone's here who's never been immersed, never been buried with Jesus, never been raised up to do life completely new, the old gone, the new come. I'm gonna invite you to that today. We're always ready to help people experience Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection and baptism. But I know each one of you have come with your weakness today. In each service, I've come down to the front and other staff members have joined me and we've prayed for people, marriages that have gotten weak, addictions that are creating severe weakness, emotional weakness mental weakness, physical weakness. Weakness can become painful unless you receive the strength of Christ. And we want to make it available to you today. So our band is going to come out. We are going to be led in song. I'm going to ask you to stand right now with me. I'm going to pray the goodness of God down over you as a group, And then I'm gonna come down off the stage and be available to pray the strength of Jesus into your weakness, his wholeness into your brokenness, his healing into your hurt. I'm gonna pray the full compassion of God, his everlasting kindness, his unshakable, unfailing love. It's available right now. Let me pray over you. Father, we call down your goodness on every heart in this room. Right now, Lord, please. Let them be, Holy Spirit, create a receptivity and a responsiveness in every heart, Lord. First and foremost, for Jesus. For it's only by Jesus being our main thing, making our dash all about him, that we get reconciled, that we get restored to your best version of us, that you can be our strength. Lord, move in this room right now. There's people that you want to help. There's mercy that you want to give. There's compassion that you want to show. We're ready to receive Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So I'm going to come off the stage right now as we sing and as we are led in song. I'm going to invite you to the front to receive Christ as your savior. Uh, We're available here to pray with you about any weak area in your life that you might receive the strength of Jesus. Please come as we sing. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.